Goldsberg with Tenda Financial Group. And if you want to learn more about entrepreneurship and business ownership, then you should be listening to Breaking Business Barriers with my good friends, Brent, Joseph, and Brent. Welcome to Breaking Business Barriers, where we believe that choosing to go all in is the only way to create true freedom in your business and life. Now join your hosts, Brent Duhane, Dr. Joseph K., and Brandon Straza, as they talk to industry leaders, veteran CEOs, and cutting-edge entrepreneurs about the tough decisions they made on their way to success. This is Breaking Business Barriers. Welcome to another episode of Breaking Business Barriers. I am your co-host, Brandon Straza, also known as the Real Naked Agent, along with Dr. Joseph K. And Brent Duhane. And today, our special guest, Derek Skosberg, CEO of Tenet Financial Group and CEO of Skosberg Family Farms. Multifaceted guy right there, a super a big entrepreneur. Derek, welcome to Breaking Business Barriers. We really appreciate you spending your time today. Let's kick it off. Why don't you give us a fun ice-breaking story so our our guests, our, our, our audience out there can you know, kind of relate to you. So give us a fun icebreaker. Well, I can't really uh, think of too many off the top of my head, but I appreciate you guys having me on. One that comes to mind, uh, I've got uh, an agriculture background, as, as you mentioned at the outset. Uh, was it last uh, last fall? You know, it's been a number of years since I spent uh, a lot of time in the field, but uh, over the past five, ten years, I've been, you know, acquiring land and and uh, and uh, and putting those those acres into production. Well, I spent uh, one fall uh, in uh, up on my family farm. Uh, it's very serene. It's 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 a uh, it's a very comforting, calm place to be uh, outside of my office here at Tenet Financial Group. So it's nice to get away. And and I'm up there and I'm in the in the combine and the, you know and I'm harvesting soybeans. And and uh, the way the way that uh, the whole system works, we've always got you know a handful of rows around the edge of the field that uh, that doesn't get uh, harvested until the very end. So I'm in the combine. I'm headed south. The, the sun is setting uh, to my right or to the west. And uh, I'm going a half a mile across this field, watching this, these outside five rows go into the combine, paying no attention to the other 30 feet of the platform head on the combine, going a half a mile across. The pheasants are jumping up in the, in the air. The sun is going down. It's, it's just a, a sense of calm uh, comes over me, and, I, and I'm just enjoying myself, watching you know, all of the activity, the wildlife, and, and the serenity of it all. And uh, as I get to the end, I, I, uh, I finish up uh, the field, pull up to the, to the uh, semi, uh, I, I uh, lay out the uh, the unload auger of the combine. I empty the combine. I jump out of the combine, go down, get in my truck because the uh, the, uh, the the guy that owns the equipment, an older gentleman, jumps into the uh, combine, and uh, he immediately comes back out of the combine and starts hollering and screaming and says, "What what what did you do to my to my machine?" And I'm thinking, I have no idea what you're talking about. So I turn around and I go back towards uh, uh, the machine where he's at, and literally, it's a 35-foot platform head on the on the front of this combine. The outside five feet is what I was, you know, watching. The other 30 feet, I wasn't paying any attention to, and I totally ruined that combine because it's got a sickle head uh, that cuts the uh, soybeans off of the ground, and I was hitting rocks the entire way, and just chewed up probably uh, 30 feet of sickle in that combine head. So, what, what would the dollar amount of that be, possibly, to have that repaired or couple, replaced? A couple thousand bucks, I suppose. I, all I know is I spent the next four hours replacing sickles on mm -hmm. a, a combine. I had a task that I haven't done since, golly, I, I probably 16, 17 years old is the last time I did that. So, um, 
that's what I get for paying attention. Well, that sounds like a pretty sickle job right there, to say the least. So, all right, you know, it sounds like you've got a pretty interesting background. Where, first and foremost, can we find you on social media um, for the audience purposes? Yeah, sure. Well, you can certainly find me individually on LinkedIn. Uh, that, that's a real simple thing to do. Uh, on Facebook, you'll find us, uh, Tenant Financial Group is where you'll find uh, me and, and, and my company and all of, all of our people. Uh, and and tw our Twitter handle, again, is Tenet Financial Group as well. So uh, either of those two are probably the, the, uh, the easiest. If you're looking for me individually, it's just a matter of logging on to LinkedIn and, and, uh, and looking me up. And before we get to the origin story, give us a quick uh, uh, intro into what does Tenet Financial do and what do they do best? Yeah, Tenet Financial Group is a uh, full-service third-party administration firm. Um, we, we, we author, uh, install, and administer uh, qualified retirement plans of all shapes and sizes. Uh, we've really made a niche out of uh, out of uh, the the rollover uh, as business startups transaction. It's a uh, it's a transaction that allows people to roll money into their own company's uh, qualified retirement account and uh, and utilize 100% of those funds uh, tax free and penalty free uh, for their uh, for their new business. All right. Well, let's uh, let's rewind time as you've got your entrepreneurial roots built back in your in your 20s and though that's a lot more common today i think back then it might not have been as common so kind of give us that origin story about how where you started and what made you who you are today yeah sure you know i was an up-and-comer um agriculture is my background uh, today it's retirement plan tax law and accounting don't ask me how those two correlate they really don't but uh, uh the, the, the agriculture background that I had is one that uh, sent me to Minneapolis uh, fresh, out of, uh, fresh out of college. So I spent a number of years working for uh, Cargill in Minneapolis as a, uh, you know, I, I worked with farmers. I sold them, you know, uh, their, their crop inputs or fertilizers, uh, bought their grain uh, from them, did a number of transactions that way. Uh, I was a real up-and-comer in that organization. They kind of picked me out of the crowd and, and, and sent me back to school. Uh, to get my uh, MBA, uh, my desire was to, you know, coming out of that was to go to Atlanta to kind of get out of some of the cold weather, uh, head south, and uh, I wanted the uh, strategic account manager job for uh, Coca-Cola, uh, selling high fructose corn syrup to uh, Cargill. So that's really where my heart was. I went through the uh, MBA program in Minneapolis at the University of St. Thomas, and and uh, you know, in 25 months, and and it was a three to five year program. Uh, I came out of that uh, in 25 months, and I don't think they were quite ready for me to be done uh, that quickly, but fairly ambitious uh, uh, individual. And uh, the, the opportunity that they afforded me was one that, you know, involved more of sitting in a cubicle and developing marketing plans, which wasn't consistent with what my original desire was uh, to head south and, and work for uh, the, uh, the high fructose corn syrup division. So I was a bit dismayed. And uh, that was a real, you know, fork in the road moment for me in my career. And, uh, you know, when I told the story to my wife after I got home that night, uh, her, her suggestion to me was, you know, you need, you need to obviously, you know, quit what you're doing and uh, strike out on your own. And so uh, that's really what, uh, what I did at that point in my life. And, and we headed south. My brother was living in Texas at the time. We were down here frequently. Uh, and uh, so I decided to, to strike out, head south, and uh, I got into financial services. Finances was, uh, was a very intriguing portion of my uh, study. Uh, for my MBA, and uh, I jumped right into uh, uh, the stock brokerage world uh, on the retail side, and then the wholesale side, and then uh, immediately thereafter the uh, the retirement plan side. And that's really where 
my interest in retirement plans was was born, which led me to ultimately my my first TPA firm, uh, which I started uh, shortly in the early 2000s. I'd say 02, somewhere in there, 03, and uh, and uh, from there, uh, you know, we we launched a business that uh, was high in consultation and uh, wasn't really focused on transaction. And uh, that concept, to say the least, took off. Mm-hmm. And uh, in a way, I had an opportunity to to uh, remove myself from that organization. And uh, and uh, late in 08, uh, early 09, I started the new the new company, Tenant Financial Group, and uh, it uh, it took out it took right off for a variety of reasons that I can explain. But it took right off and has done incredibly well ever since. So. <sighs> When you decided you you come home, you talk to your wife, and you're just like, "Honey, I'm done. I'm out." And she's like, "Hey, go start your own company." Had you already started a business plan? Had you sat there and thought like what you were going to do, or was this more of a spur of the moment type thing? Well, it was more uh, an exercise of examining the market. You know, I, I for a number of years uh, in, in the stock brokerage world for two three years there, I watched what people were doing and. Especially when I got into the retirement plan side of, of the business, I watched people withdraw large sums of money from their retirement plans, and so I just started calling these people and saying, "What are you doing? You know, you're taking large sums of money out of your retirement plans, uh, paying huge taxes and penalties, roughly half of the of the amount withdrawn." I just started asking, "What are you buying?" And I'm buying this business. I'm starting that business. I'm buying this franchise because I was thinking. If if they're willing to pay you know fifty percent in taxes and penalties, I want to invest in whatever they're investing in, <laughs> because it was incredible the, the the penalties they were willing to pay. Well, long and short of it is, I, I I'm an inquisitive guy. I, I'm 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 high on research and 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 development of new products, and and so I just started to do some research and said, you know, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a different way for people to utilize those funds without the taxes and penalties associated with uh, a typical, you know, withdrawal, individual withdrawal. And in fact, there is. I did a, uh, a, uh, I drafted a retirement plan. Um, I went through the uh, volume submitter process with the IRS and got a pre-approved uh, plan document that allows people to roll, pe- roll their money over and utilize 100% of those funds for their own business. And when I did that, I went back to the people that were, were selling all of these prior clients uh, their, their businesses. And I said, Hey, you know, instead of, you know, a withdrawal, well, how about, you know, doing this and where they can use a hundred percent of their money instead of half. And, uh, to say that there was an appetite for it is an understatement. Um, I, I, I can't, you know, tell you, uh, the number of thousands of plans that we've installed over the years. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a very high number, but it's, it's the concept of people investing in themselves as opposed to, you know, working at a, at a company and buying, you know, American funds or T. Rowe Price funds or Vanguard funds, you're buying you incorporated stock within your plan. And so you're investing in yourself. You're, you're saying, I think I can do better with my money than you can American funds or you can T. Rowe Price. And so people invest in their own uh, entities and their own operations and run them. And so it kind of puts the individual entrepreneur in the driver's seat and uh, through that, I mean, so many thousands of clients over the years have, have been, you know, have seen and realized, you know, a large amount of, of, of success as a result. And so, you know, not all, not every business succeeds, 
you know, nobody's naive enough to, to believe that, but uh, it does take the debt service component out or minimizes it when people use their own, their own equity. Do you find, uh, my original question was going to be to go back to that conversation with your wife when she said you should start your own business. I was going to ask you, were you hoping she would say something like that or were you afraid that she was going to say something like that? But I think well, based on your, your comment, well, what, what is your answer actually? Well, I, I sat her down. She, came, she, was, she was an HR manager at uh, Countrywide, uh, a home mortgage back in the day before Bank of, Amer of America acquired okay. them. Um, she came home five o'clock on a Friday evening. I had gotten home early that day. I had finished my business plan. I sat her down with a glass of wine and said, honey, here's what I'm doing. She's seen okay. me okay. For, for many, many nights and weekends and over, over the prior months and, and maybe a year uh, up late at night. Um, uh, you know, a newborn baby in one hand feeding him and, and a laptop on, on the other, on the other, in the other arm, building operations and writing uh, you know, forms and documents and, and uh, building this thing out. And so at, at the conclusion of all of that, at, at the conclusion of all of that, she simply said, hey, I'd like you to, uh, you know, explain all of this to me. So I did. I sat her down and I said, here's how this is all going to work. Uh, beginning to end, soup to nuts, and she was very, very, you know, inquisitive about it, and and kind of stunned that you know this could actually be you know our our life. Well, um, at the end of that discussion, after I explained fully what I was going to do, I explained how I was going to do it, and the way I was going to do that was I was going to withdraw seventy five thousand dollars from our retirement plan, invested in the plan that I wrote and was approved, and start my own company. Well, it was all, you know, wonderful and great, and 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 uh, and, uh, and uh, she she loved the idea until I said seventy five thousand dollars was coming out of our plan. Then I got the deer in the headlights look. Like, hmm. It kind of got real at that moment. You know what I mean? And so she she did go along with it. She did trust me because at that time, you know, this is you know roughly twenty years ago. That was the lion's share of you know our our financial portfolio. And so we were putting a lot on the line, and you know, so I, I went ahead and did that. I invested the money, I built the organization. Probably the, the 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 best thing I did at that time was I hired good people. I didn't realize at that time, as a budding entrepreneur, that that is incredibly critical. But that was the one thing I did that I did right, and it carried that company on uh, through you know huge financial gains. And so um, as that company grew. Uh, I took on partners, and as you know, maybe you guys know, a lot of times as 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 you take on partners who may or may not see you know eye to eye as the dollars start to flow, I, I chose to just remove myself from that organization and start anew on my own. I built that one. It took me all of maybe two or three weeks uh, to construct this one, and so and and that was a time, and that was a time, guys, in 2008, if you recall. So many people were outsourced, downsized, pink slipped, right? And so mm -hmm. there was a there was an there was an era of 08, 09, 2010 where there was forced entrepreneurship. Okay, people couldn't get a job, so they had to do something. What did they do? They started a business. How do you finance businesses? There's only two ways: debt and equity, right? Well, debt's not wasn't even remotely a possibility back then. Nobody was going to lend money to a, a a business, let alone a startup business. Okay, so debt's out. Well, equity was the only other choice at the time. 
Well, equity is in in, in two buckets. In America, we're asset rich and de- asset rich and cash poor. Okay. Well, well, the assets at the time, uh, and, and even true today, is 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 home equity and retirement plans. Well, after the crash, you know, home equity had gone down so much there was no way people were going to spend what little bit of equity they had left. So the only other alternative was retirement plans. And so by default, this company, Tenant Financial Group, just took off. You know, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good in life and, and in business. And that was a time where I had just chosen to launch this business at a time where it was exceptionally conducive to writing retirement plans and allowing people to utilize 100% of those dollars to start their new businesses. So everything we did for probably the first 18 to 24 months before lending started to come back was all retirement plans. And so we launched thousands and thousands and thousands of businesses all across the country uh, with people that were, you know, using their retirement plan money to start businesses and had to do so because they couldn't go get a job and they couldn't get a loan to do it. See, so that was kind of the nature of the environment back then. But it's led to, you know, a large organization that's got employees in 10 states and and uh, and uh, and operations in, in three states. So, so I've got to ask, just so I make sure that I understand this, and, and then also our audience understands this, the market was already there, but you created a product that has turned into a high seven-figure company in a economy that was struggling for several years. Am I correct in understanding that? That's exactly right. I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was rewarding to me personally to help so many people that were stuck, struggling, lost, wondering what to do. You know, for so many people, their identity in life is their job. You walk in and talk to somebody, you know, at the restaurant, hi, you know, and you introduce yourself, hi, my name is, and they'll introduce themselves as, hi, my name is, I'm a blank, blank, blank at XYZ company. So, so much of your identity is is tied to, you know, the work that you do. And so it was incredibly deflating for so many people that couldn't go back and get jobs. They'd worked, you know, 10, 20, 30 years to build, you know, a career in, in their, you know, professional field of, of choice, and they no longer had that. And so the reward I got through that whole experience was I was able to help so many people start anew, you know, and, and, and build a, a new, you know, identity uh, of their own, you know, of their own choice. It was yeah. it was incredibly rewarding. It still is today, but it was it was especially so back then. Well, you you obviously uh, encompass what an entrepreneur is. We usually I ask, are you an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur in transition? But I mean, I just you encompass in my mind what an entrepreneur is. You created a product that didn't exist based off of a need in the market. How many companies now have adopted your same method of what you created and you got approved in the country? Yeah. There, you know, there, there's primarily four companies. There's four large organizations across the, the United States. Two of them I created. Uh, the other two, uh, one located in Philadelphia, the other in, in Seattle, uh, are, are we're the four companies that really dominate this space. I mean, it, it, it wasn't really a space until, you know, we kind of created it. Uh, we, everybody had their their own ideas on how to go about this. The one differentiating factor uh, for me back in the early 2000s and and, and even true today is I took this concept, and, and instead of selling a product uh, and, and, and being a sales organization where you've got you know a large number of leads, you top, drop into the top of the sales funnel and measure your metrics all the way out to you know the bottom, uh, those that fall out of the bottom and, and, and become a client. Instead of 
you know, creating a call center environment that, that measured, you know, a typical sales funnel, I created a consulting company because what I realized early on was people didn't understand the transactions. You know, I, I explained it earlier that, you know, the way to capitalize a business is pretty simple. It's debt or equity. Okay. That's it. But within those categories are, are a, a number of transactions that people need to have explained to them. Anytime I've done this, anytime I've helped people capitalize a new business, I don't care what their background is. They could have been a C-level executive in a prior in a prior career, or you know, a maintenance uh, worker in a in a manufacturing facility. It doesn't matter, and that's to take you know nothing away from CEOs. But uh, at the end of the day, everybody needs help in in capitalizing their business. Nobody knows how to do it beginning to end. And so I created a niche that way. I created a consulting company that really does the handholding and the work throughout the capitalization process. I don't just sell a product, I sell consulting. And out of that becomes, you know, a number of transactions. Derek, do here in house. Derek, you've worked with uh, thousands of, of budding entrepreneurs. And, and during that time, you've seen some of those achieve just amazing results and amazing being a successful business. What, are, what, what have you seen? Is there a common thread or common threads that you see that those who, number one, took the leap, which is sometimes it's scary as heck. We all know that, right? Going on yep. to yourself, you've been a W-2. But what are some of the common threads of, and our, our listeners will love to hear this because it's not, it's not the lucky sauce. <laughs> it's not the secret sauce. But what are some of the common threads that you've seen in successful entrepreneurs who made that transition? Yeah, sure. I think the number one rule as an entrepreneur, I don't care you know, whether you're buying a franchise, starting your own business, or doing something else. The number one rule in my mind is to know what you are. You can monetize pretty much anything in America. It's the greatest country in the world, but you've got to know who you are. Okay? And, and, and the other thing is, you know, if you know who you are, you need to blossom where you're planted. Don't be ashamed of, you know, being the, 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 the greatest baseball card collector or, you know, whatever it is that you do or, or you're passionate about. You've got to blossom where you are and, and, and be the very best at it. And, and I think those two characteristics embody the core of the successful entrepreneur, you know, regardless. You know, for instance, me, I'm a firefighter, okay? I, I'm, the, I'm the last line of defense. I love to help people figure out what what's what what's what's bothering them what's what's keeping them from being the very best at who they need to be or want to be or aspire to you know i do that within my own organization i'm constantly you know uh, working to refine our own systems and and so i'm constantly putting out fires uh, within my own organization and and i do the exact same thing with with clients although i don't work with them you know daily like i used to uh, when i do speak with them i help them kind of identify some of the the pitfalls in their business plan or the pitfalls that in in their operations and, and, and that's what I enjoy doing. So I think it's really those two things. Know what you are and, 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 and blossom where you're planning. And so you mentioned earlier the importance of being surrounded with really, really good people. And when you do that, it's one thing to bring them through the door and you've, you, you've, you've vetted, you've had, you know, the, the vetting sessions, but allowing them to, to blossom any uh, coaching advice as it relates to that, Derek, on how you bring great people in, but then let them get to work? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're, I, 
it's hard for me to say, you know, this is how you should do it because, you know, it, it, there's no real template that everybody can follow. It's a little bit different, but the general theme, I mean, if we're all familiar with uh, uh, the, the idea or concept of uh, horizontal uh, empowerment within an organization, you identify those people within your company that, you know, have shown some capabilities, shown some 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 willingness to, you know, go go outside their, their typical, you know, job duties. If you can find those people within your organization and, and draw them out and and bring them into your, you know, inner circle, teach them the things that they need to then go back to their team with and and uh, and, and, and and force them to be accountable. Because they're the ones that, you know, can go out day to day and work with their team within the organization and empower, you know, uh, their own individuals on their team. And if you can if you can kind of create that tiered structure where you've got, you know, your 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 high performance employees that you count on uh, working down towards, you know, their employees underneath them, I think you've got a real, you know, powerful system and a powerful structure operationally. So that's what I've tried to do, and it's worked very well for us over the years. And uh, and, and and it and it makes your your employees, you know, buy in uh, to the to the overall uh, mission uh, of the organization. Does that make sense? Uh, absolutely. And that's that that was that was a mouthful, but with a lot that I think that small business owners, entrepreneurs, people that are even in just the business world can really take from and learn and. I'm going to probably have to listen to that a couple times just to take the notes out of that. So that was super impactful. Uh, you know, if you were to sit there and say, Derek, you're a, a superhero, what would your one superpower be in what you've built and created? Boy, that's a tough question. I don't know that I've really, you know, I don't know if humility is a superpower, but I can tell you this. Uh, humility will take you a long way in life and in business, and I've and I've understood that, and I've come to realize that uh, in in a uh, in in a very you know in a very successful organization that I've got now. Um, I found that you know the leader isn't isn't the pinnacle of the organization. It's not the one that everybody points to and says, "Hey, that's the guy or that's the gal." Okay, that's the reason that we're that we are who we are. It, a, a real leader. Is is one that is is able to humbly, you know, care for others and identify, you know, what people are struggling with within the organization. And we've done a, a, a high number of transactions where people have come come into my office and said, "Hey, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that." And and it's not just that they tell me that, but it, but it's that I'm then I then take their information and go fix those issues. I show them through my actions, not words, that, you know, what they're saying matters. And when they see results like that, when they see that they, they're comfortable walking into my office telling me, hey, this doesn't work or we've got a problem with that and I address those issues, I'm showing them that, you know, their work matters to me. And if you take care of your employees, your employees will take care of your company. That's been my experience. Is that related to um, conceptually, at least, to that notion of the servant leader? Is that an aspect of that? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, you know, I found that, you know, it's just kind of human nature uh, that uh, people want to – how does the old saying go? They don't care how much you know until they, they know how much you care? I think there's there's truth in that. Derek, we always try to pick up a good read from uh, from our guests is there is there a 
an author or maybe authors that uh, that made an impact once you picked up the book you couldn't put it down maybe read it once or twice or recommend it to others yeah uh, for me it's feel the fear and do it anyway by susan jeffers <laughs> uh, somebody mentioned at the outset of the conversation about fear and, and and how challenging that that is when when somebody decides to jump off the proverbial cliff and build their wings on the way down in entrepreneurship um that's true. That's true. We 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 use fear. Uh, we've created it really as an acronym. It's uh, false evidence appearing real. Um, as people are exploring uh, businesses, franchises, um, it, it, it's oftentimes things they don't know that create the greatest amount of fear. And so the consultative nature of the business that we're in and the way that we approach it uh, oftentimes mitigates fear because one of the biggest things, one of the biggest fears anybody ever has when they go to buy a business is money. You know, where am I going to get it? How much am I going to need? How long is it going to last? Okay, those are big issues. And so the false evidence that, uh, you know, comes out of a, a discovery process as people are looking at, you know, financing options and, and ways in which to capitalize their business, everybody's got, you know, that, that local expert, a financial advisor, a banker, a CPA, a somebody uh, locally that they're leaning on for information. And they'll go out to companies like mine that are, you know, nationally based and, and, uh, and they'll, they'll inquire about various transactions, but they'll always go back to that individual locally and say, hey, what do you think? And so many times it is that local individual, that local uh, person that they're that they're leaning on for information that they know and trust that that might you know shoot the idea down or 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 pose some 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 challenges with you know the idea of capitalizing a business and so you know I think fear is is the one thing that keeps people from moving forward entirely too often and 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 oftentimes that fear is is born in in, in false evidence and so it's important that anybody looking to buy a business start a business uh, do anything. Uh, entrepreneurial, they've got to, you know, kind of weed through the fear, the false evidence that appears real and, and get to the real core issues and understand on a granular level uh, what they're doing. So wow, I, think maybe, uh, I, think, I think maybe the next author that uh, the three of us read might be a book by Derek because that white bear nailed it, brother. And uh, Great, great advice. And for listeners thinking about making that leap, or maybe you've already made the leap, uh, again, uh, Derek said it really, really well. And uh, we'll remind everyone where we can find him. Yeah, absolutely. Derek, if you had to go back to your 18-year-old self, what advice would you have given yourself to streamline this a little bit quicker? Well, you know, time is your, your greatest asset. I don't care. We're, you know, the clock's ticking for all of us, right? So, we know that we've only got so much time on this earth. And so at 18, I'd have probably jumped off the cliff and, and uh, built my wings on the way down a little sooner in life. I was, you know, I'm thankful that I was able to do it in my late twenties as opposed to my late thirties or late forties for that matter. Um, but uh, if I could have rewound the clock, you know, maybe at uh, 10, 12 years prior to actually jumping off the cliff when I did, it, it would, it would be, you know, using the time that I've got at that age uh, and, and, and not be afraid to, you know, take it slow. Uh, you don't have to make a, a million dollars on your first business idea. Um, take it slow. Don't be afraid to, to lose because, you know, failure is one of the things that, uh, uh, you know, I'm not particularly afraid of. I, I see every failure to me is just simply one way not to do something. I, I've, I've identified, you know, one other way not to do something. 
when I fail. And so and I fail all the time. It happens daily around here. Um, but at the end of the day, it's not something you should fear. Because if you're if you're young, you've got time on your side, you can restart. Uh, was it Sam Walton that started Walmart, a little company we may have all heard of at the age of 44? Okay. So there's plenty of time when you're young to, to, to restart if, you, if, in fact, you do fail. And so that's the biggest thing for me. If I was to rewind the clock and start over again, you know, in my late, in my late teens, it would be to just, you know, fearlessly, you know, jump in with both feet. Doc, yeah, thoughts? that's uh, that that that's uh, that's amazing. Just you know, and everything you're saying there, I just think there's so much valuable information and in, in how you're how you've packaged it and what you've built and what you're going to continue to build. What do we have to look forward to? What do you, what do you and Tenant Financial have coming up that people out there should be looking for? Well, as you as you uh, as you uh, alluded to, you know, in the uh, in the at the outset of the call here. Um, one of the other things I do uh, personally is, is I, I spend a lot of time on my family farm. Um, I've enjoyed uh, buying and uh, and putting into production a number of acres that uh, my family did did have at one time lost, and, and I've been able to, to to kind of put it back together again. So that's what I do as kind of uh, uh, you know a passion outside of. Uh, my obvious passion for entrepreneurship, but uh, that's something that gets me out of the office and away from the instant messages and the, and the emails and the phone calls and all of that, uh, and, and allows me to, you know, kind of reprocess and, and decompress a little bit uh, in, in the serene, you know, countryside a little bit. So that's what I do outside of uh, my normal business, if you will. Yeah, it seems um, that so much of what you focus on and so much of what you've become really good at has to do with something we talk about often, and that's the management of risk uh, and the acceptance of risk. Um, and it's we've kind of been working on a theory more or less that, that entrepreneurs or people with an entrepreneurial spirit um, are really good at that. They can leverage risk, whereas others might run from it. Um, and uh, just echoing what, what Brandon and, and Brent have said, it's, it's a, a really interesting story, and I think it highlights that that aspect of the thing well one of the things that allowed me to transition from my first company to my second company guys is 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 my personal brand um you, anytime somebody's looking to start a, a business i think they, they've got to create and maximize their personal brand they got to know who they are what they're good at like i talked about before know what you are but if your personal brand is strong you, you really won't fail um, I won't, you know, I hate to say you won't fail, but I mean, your, your, your probability of success goes up dramatically. People will ask, you know, for your help if they know your brand and, and your track record solid. So, you know, to me, if you've got a, you know, a, a solid personal brand, you know who you are, you know what you want to do in life, you know, you can monetize most anything in this, in this, in this you know, wonderful country we live in. And so if you've got those kind of base ingredients and a desire to work, not just talk. One of the reasons I left the big company, the big Cargill organization in Minneapolis, was because we spent too much time talking about what we were going to do. You know, you don't want to be one of these people that's constantly getting ready to get ready. You have to actually go to work at some point. And I'm not afraid of hard work. I love it. I kind of, you know, revel in it, quite frankly. And, and that's the kind of tenacity it takes to succeed, regardless of what you're looking to do. Start your own business, buy an existing business, start a franchise, you know, do whatever on your own. Um, it, it, it just takes a, a lot of grit and hard work and, and, a, and a willingness to, to, to fail. Yeah, 
that's well that's very well put so you've touched on this derek the definition of an entrepreneur and we ask we ask this question all the time we get, we, we get a varied number of answers but they all they all seem to intertwine what's your definition of an entrepreneur I think an entrepreneur is a type of person that will live a life that most people won't, so they can live a life most people can't. Hmm. Bingo, in quotes, right there. That'll be used on LinkedIn tomorrow, I do believe. So, uh, very, <laughs> very good. But that, that's how I see it, guys. I mean, you know, you, 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 most people see, you know, the, the stuff. When, when you succeed in life and in business, they see the big house, the, the car, the the trips, the all of that stuff, but they forget, and, and oftentimes aren't, aren't 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 aware of the other side of the story: the sleepless nights, the 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 the, the endless meals of ramen noodles, um, you know, the, the the credit card debt that builds up, uh, that you know you're struggling to make interest payments on uh, on a monthly basis, but you're you're bought in, you're 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 committed, you're seeing it through, you're passionate, and uh, if you're all of those things. And you've got a, a a a good product that's market priced, and you're pursuing it with you know utter tenacity. You know that's a that's a good mix for success. It really is. Mike yeah, Tyson, absolutely. You're Mike willing Tyson to take knockout. on risk. Mike Tyson knockout right there, Strauss. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean the big thing is what you just said right there is you're willing to take on the risk of those sleepless nights where other people will sit there and dream about it, but won't pull the trigger on it because what really comes behind it isn't always an easy thing. And that doesn't make us and, and individuals that want to take that leap any more special than the other person. There's, there's a place for everybody. And you've, you've definitely embodied entrepreneurship, leadership is, is a really big thing. Uh, I'd love to spend a day in your office if that's ever an opportunity just to watch you lead and how you're, 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 you're taking the team to that next level because you make sure that you lead from the top down and you make sure that you empower these people to make sure that they're lifting their people up right there. And I don't think that's done enough. Um, even from my end, I could definitely learn something from that. And I know that the listeners could um, learn something from that. Anything that you want to leave us with, any juicy nugget or piece of advice that you would want to leave the listeners with? Well, in terms of leading an organization, just to, to uh, kind of cap off what, what you were talking about there, I think it was Steve Jobs that said it, and, and I try and live it. You know, we don't hire good people uh, to, tell, to tell them what to do. We hire good people to let them lead the organization, and, and uh, that's been a very, very, you know, successful silver lining to, to everything I've done over the years, and, and, uh, and I think it's critical. And those people that, that, that want to be empowered, they, they, they embrace it. You know, you're not really giving them more than they can handle. They're looking for, you know, that opportunity to, to grow. And so to just feed them what they're looking for is, is, is exactly, you know, what they want. And so you do those things. You stand back and let them work. Uh, you refine, you know, the process as it, as it moves along um, and, uh, and, and, and just watch it grow. Yeah, that, that's beautiful. Uh, Derek, would you mind if we offer – not not saying your services, but your expertise. If anyone wanted to reach out to you that's listening to the show, if they reach out to you through LinkedIn, Facebook, whatever, are you, are you, you good with that? 
Yeah, that's fine. I mean, that's the business we're in. That's what we do. Uh, I've got a, an organization filled with uh, very, very accountable people, which frees me up to, to have conversations uh, with people that are looking to start businesses. I think that's important, and, and not only in, in, in my ability to, to, to converse with them on a number of levels as it relates to starting a new business, but just their, their, their ability to touch the guy that owns it, starts it, you know, runs it, uh, day in and day out. I think that's important because as, as businesses grow over time, uh, oftentimes the owner, the CEO, the chairman, uh, it, they get too far removed from the customer, the people that you know help them start this thing. And, and I never want to do that. I always want to be to the greatest extent possible as, as close to you know our end user customer as I can possibly be. And so anytime people want to call, talk, stop in, I'm, I'm always going to make time. All right. Well, we'll have your information below. Folks, I'm, I'm being serious. At any given point, reach out to Derek or reach out to us over at Open Media Source. We've got a wealth of knowledge, years of experience from building startup companies, multiple startup companies to managing. And then we've got, you know, the guy that's over here on the left hand side that you can't really see right now that, that it can help take your retirement and actually utilize that vehicle to 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 build your own company from right there so uh reach out to us we'd love to hear from you and um love to know your thoughts on this as derek this was this was super fascinating on what you've done you're you're an individual that has created a product out of a need and like you said there's four of you in the country four companies in the country that are really doing this and doing this well so uh, i really appreciate your time my name is brandon Strauss, the real naked agent along with Dr. Joseph King and Brent Duhane. And we've got Derek, CEO of Tenant Financial Group. We'll see you on the airwaves. You've been listening to Breaking Business Barriers. For more information, or if you have a compelling story to tell, find us on Facebook at Open Media Source.